Cheryl Shaw, Dr. Paul McCarthy. So wonderful to have you both here. Thanks, Sarah. Thank Paul, you. you're looking very holiday oh, today. Thank very. You. Thank I, you. I, it's the bird count. Have you it been is. doing the bird count? Amazing. <laughs> 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 You've got this fantastic shirt on that's got hundreds cans. of birds. I like it. Now, what are we chatting about today, Cheryl? I can see a spider on your brooch, so that leads me to think spiders. It is, Sarah, because every time I walk outside at the moment, I'm copping a cobweb in the face. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. They... So I thought I'd talk about spiders and pets. Heebie-jeebies. And uh, Dr. Paul, what are we looking at a little later on today? Oh, a couple of some topical ones today. So um, as you already mentioned, human asthma is an issue, feline asthma as well. So be careful with oh, your cats. Oh, kitty cats. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah, um, and also there's been an outbreak of a disease in Sydney we'll discuss today as well. All right. All that to come and, of course, taking your calls. That time of the year, Cheryl, they're everywhere, spiders. And that's it. Everybody's got them either in their garden or in their homes. But I thought I'd talk about one of the problems with the redback spider. Mm-hmm. Now, the redback spider loves living in conditions with dry timber and um, and wire, so, you know, metal. So people who have guinea pigs have to be really vigilant around their guinea pig hutches because oh. these are made out of, you know, often wire and timber and the redbacks love to <laughs> harbour in there and just sort of, you know, breed away. And for Paul, for guinea pigs, redbacks are quite um, fatal, aren't they, I believe? Yeah, dose-dependent. Dose-dependent. Yeah, dose-dependent. So... Mm. Um, they have to get a, a couple of really good bites in to make make a difference, but certainly they can be fatal. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, a really yucky, lucky, yucky topic about spiders. But with um, with also with um, the redback, it's the female who does the damage because she's got the most venom. Correct. The male, I believe, has got really small fangs, so he doesn't make as much impact on us. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Now, one of the things with um, redbacks, I actually have personal experience with my son being bitten by a redback, and the sight of the redback is really, really painful. Mm. Now, cats, I believe, are more prone to the the effect of um, the redback spider. We don't know if they're more prone to the effect. We just see them more commonly affected by them. And I think it's because of the curious nature of cats. Yes. They're just more likely to play with these things because they're moving. Yeah. Um, So we do see them in cats. it, It almost looks like a burn. The, the area of the skin around the area becomes quite red and macerated. Um, and obviously the cats lick the area as well, which makes it worse. Yeah, because that's it with cats and puppies. They, anything that's moving, they either play game. with their paws or yeah. with their mouth. Mm. So it's quite a... So, Paul, if somebody um, did think that their animal had been bitten by a spider, what would they do? What, what would, would, should they observe? Yeah, so the, there's two main things to do with that. The first is the fact that there is there a toxin involved. Um, and taking the spider and your pet to the vets that will often help to identify whether the spider involved is a toxic risk or not. Um, that's always a really good start. Be very careful, of course, when you're handling any of the any, any spiders. Make sure you're wearing gloves. Using containers to scoop a spider up is always better. Um, and having identification of a spider helps the vet to know whether they need to be worried or not. The second thing often is to rinse the site, clipping any hair away from the site, Sometimes the challenge you've got isn't so much that there's the toxin itself, but the stinging effect of the bite makes the dog or the cat lick and overgroom the area, and then you get secondary moist dermatitis associated with the fact that it stings. There's also anaphylactic risks, so um, any um, 
uh, substance in the body can cause welts and wheels and different things on the skin related to the bite or the sting. Um, and so they can be helped controlled with medications as well. Mm. So it's, it's one of those things, obviously, if you're trying to catch a spider, you need to be very um, careful Correct. because you might be sort of dealing with a funnel web, which won't mm. affect the animal, but it will affect you. That's right. But with the, um, with the uh, redback spider, I believe that the nerve endings are um, affected and that's why it's so painful. Yeah, because... They believe it causes a myalgia. I don't think the actual um, method of, of inflammation has been well documented. Oh, right. um, but, yeah, so it does cause a nerve tingling sensation or, or a muscle pain. Hmm. Because in Australia we know them as redbacks, but in America they call them black widows. Black widow. Yeah. Mm. That's oh, a... Is that what the black widow is? I didn't know mm. it was the same spider. Yeah. Yep. And in New yep. Zealand it's the catapo. Okay. You to both love New Zealand, I know. I thought I'd have to throw that one <laughs> in. I do. I love New Zealand. Um, but, but Apparently, I, I, mean, I do. Understand, from what I'm understanding, though, is our red back has a bigger red stripe. Okay. I'm not sure if that's a, a myth or and a wife's tale, the... but I think, yeah, the black widow, the American spider, I think has a smaller red spot than our, our red back does. Mm. And again, Same genus, though. those funnel webs, they don't affect the pets, but they affect us. Mm. So that's an interesting one as well. So, I mean, for me, I had actually Zara, my daughter, was bitten by a funnel web because we used to have... <laughs> so you've had one child yeah, bitten by yeah. a red back and one by a funnel web. <laughs> I have three children, all bitten by different spiders. Oh, my wow. eldest was bitten, Ty, was bitten by a white tail, so... Oh out, of, out of them all, we had, um, <laughs> yes, those spiders. And honestly, they were all They've inside. They've all survived, though, listeners. And you're worried, <laughs> you worried about the pets? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So just sharing this. But talking of the funnel webs, I did see a, a great thing the other day where the Australian Reptile Park actually opened up the sack of funnel web spiders in part of their new program they're doing to milk the spiders. So that was rather interesting. But, yeah, I do like spiders, but, no, I certainly don't like them biting our pets or our children. Definitely. Well, there's some good tips there and I guess is you know there's not a lot we can do except making sure that our yards are fairly clean of areas that spiders might like to live in like wood that we might not be using and that sort of thing and then just keeping an eye on our our pets like making sure that you know if they're out investigating something that we're investigating what they're investigating that's it watching them closely Mm. and on that note too Sarah be careful of the products you're using to protect yourself from your spiders um, in that we've had a couple of cases in the last two months of animals who've been intoxicated by um, sprays and spot-ons. So be very ah, careful about some of the insecticides. Be, be careful about where you're placing them. Okay. So one of these cases where um, some people have been using some um, insecticide around a, a water course, so around a, a fish pond, um, not realising, sadly, that the fish and the dog drank from this pond. Right. Um, and sadly, fish were lost and the dog was actually quite unwell. So it's yeah. just a, a remembering again, if you, go, if you are going to do mm. pesticides, be careful of the product you're using, be, be aware of where you've placed it and, and what animal in your environment has access to that spot. Yeah, yeah. picking up those pet bowls. Absolutely, Mm. yeah. Covering the fish tanks. Covering the fish tanks. Dr Paul McCarthy, I'm laughing. During the song, you were sort of telling us you never really knock off, do you? You were being the vet uh, just (laughs) as you were driving. yesterday. Yeah, yeah. tell us what happened. So um, I had just been left left my house from lunch and a mother wood duck and her six ducklings were crossing South Street. So I saw a car coming up from Brunker Road and I sort of rushed out and put my hands out to block (laughs) car number one and then car number two was coming up the other end. So I sort of, they saw me standing there and the mother duck sort of wandering along and she's got a little duckling behind us. I sort of herded her across the road (laughs) and then she jumped up the gutter and 
all the ducklings couldn't make it. They were all too little. So then I was down on my hands and knees, flicking all these little ducklings oh, up, onto the, up onto the road. Helping so out any Helping animal. out Mother Duck. Yeah. Oh, being a signman. Stop, That's it. Please. I know. I was, yeah. That's fantastic. Met killed while saving ducks was, my, was the next heading of the, 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 the Herald. The, yeah. du- the ducklings made it. <laughs> ducklings made it, but didn't make it. Paul, not so much. Oh, I love it. Let's go to the phones now. Uh, hello, who have we got here? Uh, Patricia. Oh, Patricia, what's your question today for Dr. Paul McCarthy? Now, I have two cats and I've just gotten married to someone who hates cats, but <laughs> he's getting used to them. But he used to put snail pellets out in the garden. Mm. So what is a safe alternative than putting snail pellets out there because they're, they're not good for cats, are they? No, they're not. And, and, and certainly there, there are um, natural snail um, repellents that you can get. I know Bunnings have a selection of those too. The, the drug you're looking to avoid is called metaldehyde. And so just check any of your packaging to make sure that that's not the active ingredient in there. Um, I think there are also some home remedies. I think you mentioned, Cheryl, that you can use beer. Yes, you can use beer. And also um, cucumber put into the little aluminium pie, pie trays. Apparently the chemical reaction of those um, well, takes the snails away, let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, so I think there are some alternatives to that. But there, there are also some naturally um, natural products that are produced by manufacturers that, that are safe around cats as well. Yeah, but you're, oh, you're you. well, very, very um, vigilant to do that because it is important. We do lose cats to snail bait every year. I know. And what are the symptoms if the cat has eaten some of that green stuff? Okay, so the, what metaldehyde generally does is affects the nerve system. So the most common first signs you'll often see in cats in particular, because cats are really good vomiters, is they'll yep. vomit and they'll often uh, throff or foam at the mouth. Um, then you get what we call muscle fasciculations or tremors. So the, the cat will start to look like they're, they're, they're sort of almost seizuring in severe cases, but the early signs are just muscle tremors or shaking. They're the very early signs. Any of those signs being seen, get to a vet as soon as you can. Um, the vet will then make the cat, if it hasn't already vomited, vomit again. Um, we often do a, a, a lavage of the stomach to try and remove any contents as well, and even an enema because it can still be absorbed even right through the gastrointestinal tract. So it's a really dangerous drug. So any, any risk, uh, any signs you see at all, um, have your vets seen them as soon as you can. Okay, thanks very much. Thanks, That's Patricia. Right. We really appreciate the call. Now, Tracy's in Edgeworth, and another question about a cat today. Hello, Tracy. Hi. Hello. Yeah, I've got a um, 10-year-old ragdoll male cat who um, I'd like to get groomed somewhere, um, but I'm not sure where or whether I have to put him, get him put to sleep because he's very fragile. He doesn't even like to be brushed. Sure. So have, have you tried desensitising your cat to the brushing procedure? Any bites. He okay. bites at it and grabs it with, the, with his claws. Yeah. yeah. So, so certainly there are there are groomers. So, um, and and Cheryl, you'd be better advised to know that. But there are local groomers who do cats. Um, the idea of an anaesthetic often is necessary. So, what I would do is speak to to the groomers, um, give them a call, and say, do you do them? Um, have often even having them meet your cat, and they can make a decision whether they are a safe option to do without sedation or not. Um, lots of vet faculties, uh, vet sorry, vet surgeries will do grooming under anaesthetic. Um, okay. to yep. do that as well. So you could certainly call your local veterinarians about that. I know we do as well. So there, there are options for you. And certainly if 
if a cat is so distressed by the grooming process, it's a much kinder and safer thing to have them anaesthetised during that procedure in that um, if they're terrified, which is what the, the biting and the scratching is about, then being asleep while that procedure is happening is a much kinder thing for the cat. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So can you recommend me somewhere? Oh, look, uh, there's there's many avail- many around. Just hop on um, on the web and have a look who's around and who's got a vacancy at the moment. But cat okay. groom- cat grooming when you've got a cat that bites, you know, you really need to, as Dr. Paul said, look at making sure that the cat is anaesthetised, both for the cat and the groomer, because you certainly don't want your cat to bite the groomer. Yeah, and, no, you know, there no. is that history there that you've said, so it would be best to... to Check out a vet practice that does grooming. Yeah, most okay, to, to, to have to have an animal sedated or anaesthetised legally, it would need to be done at, at a veterinary service. Yeah. Okay, All right, thanks very much. Thank you for the call, 49216216. We have a free line right now if you've got a question for Dr. Paul McCarthy. Now, Paul, it's, um, well, I was going to say it's that time of the year, but with the smoke, with these awful bushfires, which we just hope get under control very soon, uh, there's a lot of smoke that's come down from the mid-north coast. It's blanketing Newcastle and the Hunter at the moment. Humans are suffering from asthma and being told to stay indoors, but we forget about our felines. They yeah. also suffer from asthma. That's right. I was sort of driving out to university today and I heard the radio say, you know, be careful, you know, asthma sufferers, please stay inside. Um, cats often get feline asthma, um, often oriental breeds in particular. Burmese are very prone to feline asthma and they respond in the same way as human asthma. So any air pollutants can really trigger asthma attacks. Um, and disappointingly, as in they are in people, these attacks can be very, very debilitating to cats. Um, and you can lose a cat to feeling asthma. So yep. the same rules apply. If you've got a, a lot of air pollutants, as we've got the smoke at the moment, keep your, keep a cat inside if there is a risk factor. Um, signs of feline asthma are very similar to humans, you know, human signs. So they will look distressed. Yep. They can't get the air in or out. Um, the asthma actually is trying to get air out is the issue. Yes. Um, they'll cough. And as you know, cats rarely cough. So if you see a cat coughing, that's a very strong indicator that there is an issue. Um, and any cat who has an underlying heart disease or lung disease can secondarily develop asthma as well. So it's it's often quite undiagnosed but can be a very dangerous disease. So what do we do, Paul, if we see some of these symptoms in our cat? Can we put them on a preventative medication? Yeah, or we can? absolutely. Um, um, as people use puffers... So can cats. Really? Yeah. So often we, we get um, the paediatric spaces you use for small yeah. children. Yep. And you preload the spacer with the, the fluoxetide or whatever the, yep. the puffer Flexitide you're using. Or, yep. Yeah, all those um, and, and you sort of cover one end, you put a couple of puffs in, and then you tape it to your cat. And you just put that over the cat's nose so that the cat just has a few okay. breaths of that, that corticosteroid. Um, trying to use a puffer directly into a cat's it's nose, be they will hate it. <laughs> yeah. So, Paul, is it a different medication to what no, humans no, same, use? So we can use the same medication, yeah. um, the dosage. Often, yeah, oh, the, the dosage generally is, well, talk to your vet, but generally it's two puffs per paediatric spacer. Um, and what you're trying to do is to let the cat have a couple of good breaths from that space. So they, okay. they won't stay long, but as long as they get a couple of spacing breaths from that. Um, otherwise, if that's not what your cat will tolerate, there are um, oral medications, oral corticosteroids or yeah. other, other medications to help fight with that bronchial constriction. Because what's actually happening is the airways are becoming thickened and constricted. That's really good to know. I actually hadn't thought about our pets and whether they got asthma. So dogs don't get asthma? Not to the same degree. We get, they get bronchitis and they can get inflammatory airway disease, but they don't seem to mimic the same um, asthma that we see in humans. 
Okay, very good. We're going to go to the phones now. Mel in Charlestown, you've got a cat question. I do. Hi, everyone. Um, we've got a 14-year-old Burmese cat who probably in the last six months has started when he's relaxing, which is usually when he's sitting on top of it. He will have some little head twitches or jerks. Okay. So uh, does it look like the cat's asleep while these are happening? Um, his eyes are half-closed. Okay, so it, it, it could be the, the sort of entering that REM mode of sleep where you can get muscle movements that are quite natural and part of the sleeping process. Um, okay. Yeah, so uh, as, as we all drift off to sleep, actually, there, there are different brain patterns in our, in our head that, that often cause motor movements of muscles that are not really controlled by us. Um, and if you ever sort of watch someone as they as they just drifting off to sleep, they will often have these these movements that are, are quite normal yeah. and part of it, part of the process. Most seizure disorders, I guess that's what your question is regarding, is is this an, yeah, ab- yeah. an abnormal issue? Is this a seizure? Um, don't generally occur in animals while they're asleep. So seizure disorders generally are in, in when animals are in, in their waking period of brain function. Um, and yeah. so if it's a repeatable procedure happening at a very similar time, which is where the cat's in its most relaxed state, I would think the likelihood of this being a seizure is very low. Um, okay. Are there any other sort of nervous system signs you've seen? No... Um, uh, shaking while awake, no dis- no nothing like that, and, and no, no problems getting no agility problems can jump and land without any issues. No problems at all. Yeah, so I would think what you're seeing is a is a cat so relaxed that they're entering yeah. the sleep mode, um, and you're seeing the slight muscle movements associated with that sleep occurring. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Doesn't sound like a bad thing at all, to no, be honest. No, nothing wrong with sleep, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could do with more of it. Oh, yeah, couldn't we all? So we have a free line and there's time for you to call. Right now, though, Peter, in Cameron Park, you've got a question for Dr Paul McCarthy in relation to your cat. Yeah, hello, Paul. I just want to thank Vet Chat for being uh, on the radio, helping us animal lovers out. Oh, oh that's very that's nice, lovely. Peter. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, good on you there. Uh, just um, two questions. One is... Um, We've got a, a, I recently got a cat from the RSPCA, and before I got him, I, uh, before I got him, I had a Maine Coon. We used to take him in our motorhome, and he'd just sit on the bed, and he was quite relaxed. But our new cat, uh, we took him in the motorhome, and his tongue just hanged out, and he's panting and puffing. Mm. I heard that fell away might be good for him. I uh, was just wondering if there's anything I can do. To yes. alleviate um, his, um, his anxiety. His yeah. anxiety, yeah. So, so certainly, Fediway, as you've mentioned, great choice. And that can be yeah. even, even plugged into your motorhome, so it's circulating in the, in the motorhome before your cat's put in, so that the place oh, right. so it already smells safe. Um, yeah. That's a really good option. Um, you can yeah. even use bandanas for cats, so you can get the, the Fediway spray and spray it onto the bandana and just put the bandana around the neck so the cat can, oh, yeah. can smell that very closely. That's a, that's a really good first start. The, right. the most important generally is um, have the cat in the motorhome as often as you can when it's not moving. Yeah, so, yeah I've so, been thinking about that. Yeah. yeah, so the most important initially for cats, cats are quite territorial. They, they don't really yeah. like to move their territory very often. Your main yeah. coon was probably more of a, a mold breaker than, than the norm in that most cats yeah. tend to not really enjoy a lot of movement. They like to know where they are and where their turf is. But that, yeah. can, be, that, that can be worked around. So provided that the yeah. cat is in, the, in the, the van so often that it becomes part of the cat's territory, yeah. it then means that when that territory 
employee is actually moving, that's yeah. less of an issue. So yeah. for a long time, you're going to use the cat to the, the motorhome first, then make your chips very short. So literally yeah. turn, the, turn the engine on, maybe sit, yeah. in, sit in your own driveway for half an hour, then turn yeah. the engine off and get out. So but oh, we're, we're then desensitizing first to the movement of the actual yeah. vehicle rather than the yeah. vehicle moving as well. Because the yeah. the, the, it'll make noise, it'll rattle. So it's about yeah. getting the cat desensitized to that. And while the cat's in there, if the cat's showing calm behavior, reward that. If, yeah. the, if the cat starts manifesting that panting and the tongue hanging out, don't yeah. try and reward that with, with, with praise or relaxation because you're yeah. actually telling the cat the right thing behavior is anxiety so you're far better at once as soon as that starts your journey has ended because the cat the cat can't learn or desensitize while it's scared and so there's no point trying to push that scenario and then then the second thing you could do is um make somewhere in the van that the cat can go to that's that cat's spot so often a nice dark area um, a, a cat carrier with a, a towel over it's often handy somewhere somewhere yeah. that they can know it's theirs where yeah. it's small it's contained and nothing can really get to them in that spot that's another way right. to help them there as well is that they might want to sit on your lap like your main coon did but they might be happy to travel if they're sort of kept somewhere dark and quiet yeah. they'll just sort of go to ground while that that event's happening yeah our old main coon is 14 years of age but he's so casual he just sit around very he was just a perfect gentleman. He was. They're, they're, <laughs> he away. They are lovely cats. They're, they're, they're lucky in the fact that they are such big cats that most things don't really rattle a Maine Coon. They, they're, they're very yeah. stoic creatures. They're just sadly yeah. overrepresented in cats who develop heart disease, which is a shame because they are a lovely yeah. breed. Yeah, well, apparently our cat died, and the vet said that someone might have given him paracetamol because he had liver. Oh, uh, that's, a, that's terribly sad. C- certainly, liver disease can be brought on by, by 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 paracetamol. Cats are very sensitive to that drug, and obviously, yeah, there's a lot of cruel people out there who there do that to cats. Yeah. There um, are. Also, also, I was just wondering um, when I got our cat from the RSPCA, they had a birth certificate and they had his birth date, and yet they said he was a stray. How do they? How do I give you a birthday? <laughs> and it's a stray cat. Probably I'm I'm guessing they probably looked at the cat's teeth when they came in, and if they hadn't had erupted um, permanent teeth, they probably made a guess from there. I would think, Peter. Okay, four nine two one six two one six. Thanks, Peter. That is our number. We still have uh, some minutes left if you would like to call and uh, speak to Dr. Paul today. Now, Paul, you said that we need to look at a disease that's had a bit of an outbreak in Sydney. Yeah, sure. So just to let our listeners know, they may have already heard this from the TV, a disease called leptospirosis has been diagnosed now in nine cases in the eastern suburbs of Sydney. Um, sadly, all nine cases of, those, um, of leptospirosis have died. What, this is in in Darlinghurst, Glebe, and Surrey Hills, I believe, and in our dogs. In dogs, sorry, yes. Okay. So it's uh, a disease that is transferred to dogs from rat um, urine or ah. stagnant water. Um, the most important thing about it is that it is sadly zoonotic, so we can catch it from our pets. Okay. So um, we have had a bulletin come out from the Veterinary Association warning us about that. Um, we're not that far from Sydney for this to be an issue for us. Mm. It is a disease you can vaccinate against. 
Um, they're not sure that the vaccination at this stage covers the serovar that we're finding in Sydney. That data is yet to come. But certainly it's our best protection at this time to, to vaccinate against it. So if you are intending to travel to that local area in Sydney with your dog, ensure that your dogs are vaccinated first before doing so. Um, if dogs are coming from that area to your home, just make sure that they're also that they've previously been vaccinated. Um, signs are very easy to see. So fortunately, it's a very acute acting disease. Um, it causes liver and kidney failure. So um, you'll see vomiting. You'll see lots of issues associated with this. the skin. Often go yellow. Um, okay. Obvious disease to determine. Um, a difficult disease to treat, which is sadly why these all, all these cases have sadly proven fatal. What about if a human contracts it? How uh, treatable is it? Yeah, for... so it is treatable in people. It, okay. it, it's actually a bacteria. So you, you can take an antibiotic to treat the okay. Leptospira. Um, it's, it's about the amount of damage that is done prior to treatment that causes the fatalities in dogs and people. Um, and if in, if in doubt yourself, um, make sure you, you get yourself checked. If your dog is diagnosed with it, make sure your GP speaks to you as well. Some good awareness there. Let's go back to the phones now. Terry in Cessnock, a question about your cat. Hey, hi. Uh, hello, everyone. Hello, it's Terry. not my cat. Okay. We went to, we went to visit uh, some friends the other night, and we go over there fairly regularly. And they've got a ginger desexed tom. And um, he's very friendly to me, and I uh, was patting him and, you know, rubbing just in front of his tail and around his cheeks and all that sort of thing. And he was rubbing up against me and all that sort of thing. And all of a sudden he just attacked me and bit, bit yeah. my hand. Yeah. So often hyperexcitability in cats can lead to an aggressive response. And, and what you're almost triggering is that hunt-prey response. So um, you, you, the cats will be giving you signals before the bite comes. So if you start to see tail flicking or agitation of the tail or the ears being pushed closer to the head, that's your cue to turn your back and remove your hands from the cat. So, right. Yeah, so sometimes, a very common scenario, Terry, and I'm glad you brought this up, but, but over-grooming sometimes in cats can lead to this, this um, uh, aggressive response. So watch your cat's body language when grooming, and if there's any indication of that tail starting to flick, that's the cat letting you know that the padding time is done. Right. Well, that's what he was doing, like the tail was flicking. Yeah, he I, was trying to I tell you, and, and sadly we as humans rarely listen to what cats are telling us to. Um, yeah. But, yeah, he was giving you the heads up that the bite was coming, so, yeah. Because right. I, I would have thought, oh, he's loving it. No. <laughs> if, if the cat's tail is down or in against its body, it's, it's, it's happy. Flicking. If it's flicking, it's looking for the attack foes. Okay. Yeah. Very okay. good one Thank for you. all of us to know. Thank you, Terry, for uh, helping us get educated on that one. Deb in Metford, another cat question. No, it's a dog. Oh, you've tricked us. You've got us <laughs> <I> there. <have. laughs> I snuck him in. You've got in. How can we help you with your dog? I've got a little Bichon Fry. Doesn't matter where I go, if I'm sitting, he cocks his leg and pees. Yeah. I can go to the bathroom, shut the door, open it up, and you'll be peeing on the door so I go cook at him. <laughs> Put him outside, like I won't let him in all day, I'll let him in the next day. If I have a cardigan hanging on a chair, he'll pee on the leg of the chair. Yeah. Um, he's naughty, but he's a good boy. <laughs> How old did you say he was, Deb? Oh, he's four. Okay. He uh, was my daughter's dog, but 
she gave him to me because she couldn't have him in the unit. He's been de-sexed? Yes, he has. Yeah. And so what's actually happening is that these are, um, he's telling you he's a bit anxious in his environment. Um, and so what he's doing is he's trying to mark as many objects in the environment as his. Now, um, this, this so it's a, not me. No. So, oh, and, thank God. Well, <laughs> this, disappointingly, the, the timeouts may be inflaming that as well. So the okay. timeout, the, the timeout itself is okay. It's the rousing on afterwards, like, well, beforehand, that I get you to stop for me. Because what it does yeah. is it, it makes him then more nervous in his environment because negative things have happened in where he should feel safest. Um, oh, Lays around. He's a lazy little bugger. He lays around, but I've also got a silky. And and do they get along okay? They get on fine. Yeah. So this this sounds. It could also be territorial as well. So just be be watching how the two interact. because sometimes what will happen is that if he believes that none of the territory is his to share, he'll try and overmark that territory uh, that territory to be his. Because uh, when she goes out on the grass and has a piddle, he will come over and it. pee on it. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So what he's actually trying to do is claim all the land for his because he doesn't feel particularly safe. So, oh, really? Yeah, so it's about trying to make him feel as calm and relaxed in the environment, um, try and stop any of those negative um, reinforcements that may have been happening, and generally trying to make him feel that the, that the territory is shared, that no one has yeah. to own anything. Um, that'll help with your urination. Okay, thank you so much, Deb. You know, I was still thinking all the way through that that we're talking about a cat. I've forgotten. I'm thinking this is bizarre behaviour for a cat. And then I went, oh, that's <laughs> we had, right. We had it's cats a dog. all day. That's yeah, right. Exactly. Look, I think that's just about time for pet chat today. We've had some great callers. Yes, thank some you, callers. Some really interesting ones today. Cheryl Shaw, thank you so much for coming in and My educating pleasure. us on spiders. Spiders. What mm. not to do. And Dr. Paul McCarthy, some really great stuff as well for thank us you. to look out for too. And with our asthma. So if we see that's our. It. our our cats a little bit distressed. Cats rarely cough for no reason. So and if coughing. you see a coughing cat, haven't haven't taken it to the vet. Might need a preventative. Okay, have a lovely day, everybody. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Two NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business, and travel. You'll find them all at twonurfm.com. <laughs>